You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. I'm your host, Dimitri Vitsa. I'm also the founder and CEO of Rock, Paper, Scissors, a PR firm that specializes in music tech and music innovation. And if you remember our loyal podcast listeners, back at the very beginning of the podcast, we had a lot of conversations about live streaming. We were really interested to see where that would go. Um, we also talked about some other things that we thought were emerging in the early phases of the pandemic, like remote collaboration and online music education and so forth. But I'm pumped today because we get to get back into that conversation about live streaming and see where things are uh, today. Uh, I'm talking today to Glenn Booth, the CEO of Kiswe. Hey, Glenn, welcome to the show. Dimitri, thanks for having me on. Great to connect. I appreciate you being here. Hey, let's kick it off straight up. What is Kiswe? Let's explain it to our listeners. So Kiswe is an interactive video company. So what does that mean? So we've really been redefining the way that digital events are delivered to the world. So we have built a two-way video technology system that allows audiences to connect and consume and contribute to live digital events. Basically, what we're trying to do is allow every fan that can't get to an event that they want to experience to stream, uh, to watch a stream reliably and be able to interact with other fans and artists so that it feels like they're actually there. Oh, so, so what does that look like? Like if I go to, if I go to that kind of, is, is it a concert and, uh, and then people are, are interacting in a special way? Yeah. So think of it like a concert. So we have lots of fan engagement mechanisms where people can chat, they can cheer, they can send video selfies. Really, it's a way to democratize fan engagement so that everybody has an opportunity to get their few seconds of expressing their joy for an event and to be appreciated by other fans or sometimes even the artists themselves. Cool. So in addition to them seeing the performance through a video live stream, they have this interactive component and that's chat, but also like video reactions as well. That's right. And I mean, really, Dimitri, what we've what our idea was, was we knew that having a digital live stream and delivering that to every country in the world was a monumental challenge. So we really tried to build a highly reliable system, but we put an extra challenge on it. So do this at mobile, do this at scale, and do it with a full range of interactive features so that the fans that um, are all at home can feel like they're actually together and that their impact matters for the experience. Right. And you said mobile. So is it mobile web or is it app or both? So it depends on our partner. So we stand up mobile web and also desktop every day, all day for partners. So we could put experiences onto artist.com or partner.com in their name. And then we're really building their brand for special events. So it's a white labeled experience. It is. And if Got an it. artist wants to have a repeat experience, so for special partners that are really big partners of ours, we can build the full suite of apps as well, whether it is iOS, Android, or smart TVs. Gotcha. And are you guys involved with the ingestion side of the performance too, with the, the cameras and the audio and that sort of thing, or only on the, the output towards the fans? 
We'll do a full turnkey. So we have a lot okay. of partners that have, um, you know, production partners already. So they want us to focus on live streaming. We can do that. And we try to be the best in the world at that. We can also bookend that so we can deliver production services, marketing services, full customer experience, anti-piracy, really everything soup to nuts for a total digital turnkey. Got it. And one last question about the features you mentioned, then we'll we'll go deeper too. But the video, I'm curious about this video reaction, the reaction videos, is it, do, do they show up in the chat for everybody that's attending as well as the artists to see? They do. So think of it as almost a film strip presentation in the bottom of the UI so that it's recreating what a fan environment might be like and then putting that into the digital realm. The interesting thing is that as a video company, we also take that and then use that to create net new video. So we can then take that video and I could put it anywhere in the world. So I can put it out at 4K on broadcast TV. I could pump it back into the stadium and create fan boards so that the artists can actually see the at-home fan. So in this way, the fan psychologically actually starts to think, oh, wow, if I actually chat or if I actually contribute a little video, I have the ability to be seen not only by all the other fans, but maybe even the artist, which is a super powerful experience. Got it. Cool. All right. Well, who started Kiswe and how did it come into existence? So Kiswe is a startup that's growing up. So we were founded in two, in 2013. So my partners, Jung Kim, Jimmy Lin, and Wim Sweldens, they came out of the telecom um, industry and the sports industry. And I had known them for some time. Really, they had a vision that we could democratize the experiences that were transitioning from linear onto digital. And many of us actually came from big telecom building out big wireless networks. So big wireless networks really did two things. Number one, they were highly reliable. So you had to deliver five nines of reliability to no matter where the users were. And then number two, that they delivered experiences that had thumbs on screen. So you had fully engaged experiences. But our observation at the time was that video was really passive. It was a lean back experience. So people were absorbing video, but not really able to communicate in a two-way fashion. So that was really the impetus for our, for our company to build um, big experiences that could scale on a global basis and then to connect all of the people to each other. Got it. And where's the name Kiss We Come From? It's actually the combination of Jung Kim um, so K-I-M and then Wim Sweldens. So it combines bits of their last names and puts it into one. Got it. Cool. Um, and what kind of, what kind of traction has kids we had? So we've, uh, been pretty fortunate I and mean, we've live streamed many of the biggest concerts and events that have ever happened in, uh, digital live streams. So really one of the first concerts that we ever streamed was BTS so we've uh, subsequently done another 10 of them for many of the largest in the history of the world. Um, we've streamed with Queen, Justin Bieber, Jack Harlow, AJR, to name a few, as well as a lot of the world's biggest sporting events. So we do a lot in music. We also do quite a bit in sports. So we span sports and entertainment. 
So we've been fortunate to set a few Guinness Book of Worlds records for the largest pay-per-view online concerts. And then we broke that record uh, several times. In the last year, so in 2022, we have streamed 2010 events for more than 40 million hours and um, across every country that's been recognized by the United Nations in the world. And um, across all of those fans, we've enabled nearly 2 billion live fan interactions over the past year. So pretty exciting stuff. We've, we've also been expanding into different verticals now. So on top of sports, on top of music, we've been expanding into creators. So we've had big shows with Mythical, with Smosh, and one coming up in a few days with Try Guys. And the result of all of that is that we were honored to recently be named as number 20 on Deloitte's Fast 500 list, which is a group that recognizes the fastest growing technology companies in the world by revenue over the past three years. Got it. So um, are, are, do you imagine a future where Kizway is involved with smaller artists or is it pretty much big name folks, big audiences? That's kind of the, the sweet spot for you guys. You know, it's a great question. Um, if I look at how the industry shakes out today, content owners really have two major options to live stream. Number one, they could work with gigantic companies like Google, like Apple, like Amazon, like Disney, and they could put their content on their platforms. Or they could build their own technology, which media companies don't um, always have the capability or interest to do. It's arguably inefficient, and for sure, it's super hard and super expensive. That's actually where we think our superpowers come into play. So we build massive systems that scale all day, every day. So that really does allow us to offer a door number three to build these premier white label experiences that reinforce partner brands. So as I mentioned before, you could think experiences on artist.com. We offer co-ownership of user data. And we share in that revenue that are generated by those events. So that does lend itself towards a little bit bigger experience. So we start mm-hmm. out, I just by virtue of having the first real concert that we did be with BTS and then reaching massive global scale, we kind of started at the top and then we're working our way through the ecosystem as opposed to starting out as a pure self-serve model and then building up. So I think that bet suits our... Um, strength as a company and where we think the industry might actually value um, our capabilities the most. Makes sense. Hey, we talked a little bit about it and you've referred to partners and revenue share and things like that, but what, how does the actual business model work for Kiswe? So we basically do rev shares off of all of the revenue that we generate by the events that we distribute. So that can include, um, ticket revenue from the gate. It could include merchandise. It could include sponsorships. You asked early earlier about our remit, and I indicated that we're really a turnkey. So in addition to delivering these beautiful, immersive experiences, we also offer services. So production, native ticketing, piracy, marketing. So 
you also asked a little bit about white labels and then web. We also can build special apps for partners that want to have repeat business. So really everything that we're doing is trying to hit this distinctive point in the market that can we offer a special experience to partners that want to build their brand and invest in their brand and then really build a relationship with their fans because if they put it on other platforms they have no ideas they have no idea who those fans are they're disintermediated so we can offer a more direct connection to them and their fans Got it. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, let's broaden out a little bit to talk about the state of live streaming in 2023. We'll be right back. Hey, all you Music Tectonics podcast listeners. Shaylee here with an update around our 2023 online events. We're going to kick off our online event series on February 9th at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Our friends from Luminate will reveal the results of their gaming and Web3 study for the first time to the public. Go behind the buzzwords to get the hard data. Hear best practices on how to activate in the Web3 space and create those meaningful connections with fans. Immediately following the presentation will be Q&A, so make sure to bring your thinking cap. To end the event, you'll get the opportunity to participate in our fan-favorite speed networking. Get randomly matched with another attendee for serendipitous connection. See you on February 9th at 10 a.m. Pacific. That's 1 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to go to www.musictectonics.com to register for the event. Now back to the podcast. All right, we are back. And Glenn, I uh, wanted to ask you, uh, we heard a lot about the business, Kiss We, at the, the beginning of the episode. But I'm curious, what's the state of live streaming as we head into 2023? So it's interesting. We started live streaming big experiences before COVID. Um, we never obviously had a global pandemic in mind. And then as COVID hit, we thought that we didn't know whether that would be a good thing or a bad thing. And on the, on the positive side, it certainly offered up room for creativity, for artists to create new shows that otherwise weren't going to come off. Because by and large, you had, whether it's um, you know, artist tours or sporting events, they were canceled. So what we've seen is that there's continued strong growth as this content continues to move from linear to digital. It's actually accelerating. And then post the pandemic, we see not only a return to these live in-person events, but artists and entertainers are now seeing the huge potential for live streaming. So, you know, one example is with one large band, they sold more tickets this year in one live stream show than they did by selling out a stadium over a handful of shows in the preceding days. So the revenue potential simply to stream what they're already doing is enormous because it allows you to exponentially grow the audience and to reach out to the world around them thanks to live streaming. So they couldn't otherwise do that. I would also say over the past two years, there were a number of smaller companies that sprung up and um, have probably had a difficult time competing with the giants in terms of scaling for their ability to deliver um, reliable experiences, big events around the world. 
So we think that that is going to set up a really interesting landscape in 2023, where we'll see the continued shift from traditional cable that'll continue to move towards streaming services. We see this now on the sports side, where leagues are teaming up with um, the big streaming services to offer direct-to-consumer. And we think a lot more of that is going to start to take place both in sports and music. Interesting. And is the appetite from the fan side? I understand why from an artist side, there's a lot of efficiencies in live streaming versus touring or even putting on one big amphitheater show. Um, and, you know, the economics allow them to possibly perform a single show to more people. But for, is the appetite from the fan side on the music industry? Uh, has it gone up? Has it gone down? Has it gone down and then back up? What What's that look like? You know, we, I mentioned a few minutes ago, we got into streaming because we saw a fundamental need that 99% of the people that want to watch a live event can't get there. Whether it is financial, whether it's logistics, whether it's a kid and they don't have permission, there's a massive market that is untapped and mm. that remains. Now, <laughs> I could argue today you know, whether it is um, health concerns, economic concerns, I think the impetus is stronger than ever. You also hear a lot about the stress of fans getting into stadiums, out of stadiums, that experience, also the stress on artists a lot of times. So we're seeing a demand that is starting to really get more into the mainstream where a few years ago, it seemed to me like there were a few super shows that were capable of driving interest across the agency. I see that now working its way a little bit down to more mainstream bands as they're looking for ways that they can engage their fans that are maybe a little bit better than what they've always done for the past years. It's interesting. Like if somebody had said, Hey, you want to see a concert on zoom before the pandemic? <laughs> Everyone would just be like, ah, oh, I don't, I, what's, what do you zoom? Like, I don't even use that for work. Why would I see it, do something social on it? But now that people have experienced and seen the, the ease with which they can do it, then it becomes a, a viable option. And in some ways it's, it's competing with TV too, rather than just competing with live shows. It is. And you have two factors there. And this really played into even back to the origin story of our company. We always knew that broadcasting this content would move from linear to digital. And young people are cord cutters and cord nevers. They're generally not subscribing to cable. They have other ways and other means that they'll access content. Number two, I did mention this lean back experience that if it's a passive experience, it may not be fully optimized for that younger generation. So allowing them to feel like they're contributing towards really the creation of the experience, the energy of the crowd themselves, then we think that becomes the new normal. And just like maybe working from home and hybrid situations are more of the new normal, that's kind of what we're seeing with concerts, that it could very well be that artists still want to go on a tour and stream maybe the uh, kickoff to that tour or the conclusion. Or they might do an abbreviated tour 
focus that geographically and then stream one of the shows to hit their audience in other parts of the world that otherwise wouldn't uh, they, otherwise they would need to travel for so we do see a nor a new normal that's emerging out of this the traditional live industry has um uh, uh like geographic exclusives sometimes to sort of build up demand around their limited supply of somebody getting to a show and people would have to travel further or something to get to a show and they're also highly invested in their their real estate assets uh in terms of leveraging that what's changing about how the live industry is seeing live streaming now it's a good question we do get asked a lot about whether we can geo restrict um you know an event so that it doesn't compete with the live concert it's not an issue from a technology perspective we're able to do that easily i think um you know oftentimes i feel like that it's an unnecessary barrier to put in front of fans and we've seen a lot of evidence to suggest that it really is a very different type of experience generally just like if you have somebody that's going to a football game, if you're going to the football game, it's one kind of experience. If you're going to watch it with your buddies at home, it's another type of experience. I think it's a different experience. It's a little bit different audience, but um, I think that one takes some time for people to get comfortable with. So we get asked about geo restriction and always say, yes, we can do it. Typically, it ends up not being enacted and where it has been enacted that um, we have not really seen data to suggest that it was a conflict to begin with. But we're happy to go either way because we do see the live stream is an important complement to live in a number of different capacities. You guys, your co-founders um, are big in the sports world. And so it's really interesting to hear you talk about those kind of parallels or also ways in which music could replicate what happens in sports because clearly for years and years sports has been broadcast on radio and then tv and that's an experience that you just described that's different than being there but what needs to happen for that to happen with music what needs to happen for live streaming to be as woven into how people experience as it is for sports so we just talked about how you can complement the live experience by simply streaming what is already getting done in real life. So I think that's what's largely been done. A really unique opportunity is to create something magical that can't be done in a quote unquote normal concert. So during the pandemic, we started to see that artists would actually use the digital stage as a sort of new canvas that they could bring to life to tell stories in a new way. So they could use technology with different camera angles, bringing the at-home audience into the show with these video selfies, having um, you know special chat stickers to represent their emotion at a different point in time, having the artist actually create content in the digital stage that is not similar to what they would do in real life in physical presence of an actual stage. So really for the first time, I think audiences are now seeing the potential of seeing content that is made that is special, that's optimized for this new digital world, and that also that they have a chance to participate in it almost like the fans at the physical show would, so they feel like they mattered.
So that's really where I see a lot of the potential moving forward. Are you seeing with the video reaction or the reaction videos that you guys have, are people dancing? What are they doing on the videos? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, so <laughs> we, uh, as a B2B tech company, we obviously offer professional moderation first and foremost. So we've built all sorts of dashboards. We have artificial intelligence and then ultimately humans that make sure that everything goes up is within the brand guidelines of a given partner. So on the fun side, um, they will dance. We've seen them have T-shirt contests. Um, you know, they'll mimic dance moves. They'll sing along. They um, for sporting events. We've seen them uh, for boxing pretend to punch each other as we line them up next to each other. So there's no end to the creativity of the fans that want to experience these events, and that's really what we're trying to enable here. Are the t-shirt con contests initiated by fans or by the uh, artists from stage? So some of them have been spontaneous. We've also had contests that have been like announced ahead of time that you could have, um, you get entered into a raffle for a ticket to a physical show. Or we offer digital you know, merchandise. So you could, um, you know, if the artist selects a winning picture, then you could qualify for a free t-shirt. Fun. Yeah, I would love to see what kind of creative things come out of those reaction videos. And also, it sounds like there's some interesting editing, live editing that's happening where you're putting people side by side. Um, we've seen so much of that on the social video front with dance moves and duets and, and reaction videos and all that kind of stuff. Um, be cool to see in a live setting like that. I've never seen that. Well, and really, the, the, and the impetus for that was, you know, I use the word democratize. We wanted it to feel effortless for the fans. So we were cognizant of the fact that we watched basketball games during COVID and there were big video screens in stadiums and then very special owners um, uh, or, or very special customers basically owned a panel for a game. And our feeling, at least my feeling, always watching that was, well, there's only so many physical panels that can come through. They're probably expensive. And also, it's kind of a lot of pressure for a fan to maintain a panel through a game, especially when everybody's watching. It's not dissimilar to Zoom fatigue. So if we could find a way that it's like a mindless, fun, quippy, five-second little selfie, and then it's ephemeral. And then it goes through the experience and then it's out and then they can submit another, then that would be a way that we could try to scale this from instead of from hundreds of fans that are very special to millions of fans across the world that could all then be part of building this experience. Yeah, super cool. Can't wait to go to one of your shows. It sounds like fun. All right, we're going to take one more quick break. And when we come back, let's broaden out even more. We'll talk about what kind of innovation you see coming down the pike. What's up, beautiful listeners? I've got a question for you. What do you want to hear next? Let me know at pages.musictectonics.com slash feedback. Suggest future guests and music tech topics you want to hear us cover and tell us how we're doing. Again, that's pages.musictectonics.com slash feedback. Look forward to hearing from you. All right, we are back. Glenn, I wanted to ask you, what innovations do you hope to see in, say, the next five to 10 years in the music and uh, live performance space? Oh, that's a good one. I, you know, I think, in, I think in a few directions. Number one is 
you know, I'd love to see these beautiful digital experiences get onto every screen. So mobile, PCs, TVs, theaters, bars, restaurants, you know, I'm truly imagining that there's a way to deliver this truly to that other 99, maybe 99.9% of the fans that are not able to get to the live event, but really want to experience it. Secondly, the vision of making these fans feel like they have an impact. And today, an artist plays songs on the radio. And then they monetize their super fans with these live performances in giant stadiums. I think the desire to offer super fans new experiences that they're willing to pay for is always going to be there. But as this world shifts to digital, it appears as as different, more digital first experiences. So if you look at how influencers engage with fans on Twitch and other platforms, I think there's going to be a new kind of show that's built really around the audience engagement and that builds loyalty. It connects with monetization, with sponsorship opportunities in a more graceful, more elegant, native way that feels more organic. And that's not really only innovation in the technology, but also about the creative design that goes into the shows that helps unlock them. Interesting. Hey, I want to ask you, going back to your first response on the innovation front, we're talking about getting these concerts and performances onto every single screen. It makes it sound like it's a supply issue, not a demand issue, which is super interesting. What do you think it would take to, and and every time you you bring up these ideas, Glenn, I'm thinking this is because these guys know what works in the sports world. And it's just a matter of how do we connect all the dots on the music and other entertainment front. But what would it take to get things onto more screens? I mean, is it a matter of sponsorships covering the cost of that? Or is it something else? I don't think it's sponsorships and cost. I think that creators are going to get, they're naturally incented to get their content in front of everybody on top of every screen. I think it is about coalescing across um, strategic partnerships. So if you think about every one of those categories that I listed out, they have different category leaders in there and not all of them have experience in terms of digital and in terms of live streaming. So I think it's about partnerships for distribution. And I think it is fundamentally about some uh, new technology behind that, especially for some of these use cases. Got it. Got it. Well, be interesting to see. I I certainly love the idea of bands that I love seeing them being able to sometimes open my phone or an iPad or have something play on my computer or just turn on the TV and see something coming through that way as well. So one other thing we love to do at the end of these interviews sometimes is to kind of expand our network at the Music Tectonics podcast. I'm curious if you can help us with any shout outs. Are there other companies or music innovators that inspire you or that you're just interested in keeping eye on seeing what they're up to? in your world? You know, um, I don't know what it would be the biggest surprise to say that UMG is important in music, but they are a really important partner for us. So we um, do have a strategic partnership with them and we're doing an awful lot with them, both to deliver 
more and more beautiful experiences out into the market, but also in terms of technology, in terms of more immersive experience for video and for audio. So I think that's an interesting space to watch. Um, high in terms of like the, like a label partnership like that? That's right. Are there, are there particular uh, activations or, or things that we can look out for where we can see that in action? Oh, yeah. I mean, with specific concerts upcoming, I think that you'll see quite a few that will be announced in the, uh, in the short term. Um, so please do keep an eye out for that, maybe including later this week. Um, right. On the technology front, I think there are some real interesting ambitions around audio quality and driving mm -hmm. a more immersive experience um, that, you know, I think that we've done quite a bit on the video side, um, you know, in the industry, I know that our company is fundamentally a video company. So we've invested a lot in terms of video quality, audio quality is interesting to me. And there are some initiatives that we're paying close attention to and starting to engage with, with some of our partners to help drive incredible audio listening experiences as well. I mean, I would say um, IMAX is another one. So, you know, delivering these beautiful live events, if we want to get them on every screen, I think that not only goes to the smallest screens, but then also to the biggest screens. So I think they're doing a lot of interesting work to help bring those to life. And really along those lines also, I think In Demand is an interesting company so it's really the combination of the cable companies, which is in some ways like the opposite of what we do, right? It's a streaming company. Um, you, know, um, you know, we're actually seeking to deliver experiences to everybody that doesn't have cable. But uh, the combination of Comcast, Charter, and Cox created in demand, and they're a distribution partner for us on uh, premier live sports, especially fighting. So going back to that legacy on sports, I do see that as relevant for music. And I think that we'll look to do more and more with them on music in the, uh, in the near future. Awesome. Well, great. Well, thanks so much, Glenn, for sharing some of those uh, other companies that you're keeping an eye on. It helps us expand our horizons. And it's been great catching up with you about Kiswe and about the state of live streaming. Thanks so much for joining us. Dimitri, great to connect. And thanks for your time. Thanks for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We have new episodes for you every week. Did you know? You can dig deeper into all our episodes with the show notes at musictectonics.com. While you're there, look for the latest about our annual conference, sign up for our newsletter to get updates, or get the Music Tectonics app for music tech news. Everything we do explores seismic shifts that shake up music and technology the way the Earth's tectonic plates cause quakes and make mountains. Connect with Music Tectonics on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and find me, Dimitri Vitsa, if you can spell it, on LinkedIn. Bye-bye! You're listening to Music Tectonics.